This is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcasts Network, showcasing conversations with Chicago's creative communities and professional industries. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Dynasty Podcast, live from 21C Hotel and Museum, Chicago. Uh, there's 21C hotels across the country, very cool hotels. So appreciative that 21C in Chicago, uh, Lend Dynasty Podcast, do a residency here right now. I am joined tonight, very excited, um, Brianna Gatlin, CEO and Principal Publicist at Swank PR and Publishing, um, and just a longtime homie around the city. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. It's 2023. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. That's that's kind of crazy. And <laughs> and we're going to talk tonight about like a little bit about time, just how long you've been doing publicity and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, everyone I think is to a degree catching up with each other after the last couple yes. of years. Like, how have you been? I've been cool. Like I I've made some some personal changes, some career changes. Um good things though. Like any like the pandemic has been good to me, I would say. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it has not been easy for everybody. And and we're gonna talk about the effect of the pandemic a bit later, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with your with your roster, with your client roster as mm-hmm. well, you know, and just arts and culture in general. But like a lot of people in the city know you. For anyone who doesn't know you, you own and operate your own PR and yes. publishing company, Swank PR. It's been active in Chicago now for like 15 years. We're 15 going on 16 or 17. Um, I stopped counting. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How does that feel? You know what? It's it's kind of surreal when you're so like, I love what I do as much as I complain, which I do sometimes, <laughs> but I love what I do and I really appreciate like the end results of what what I do that brings joy to my clients to me so like it's it's kind of like when you're when you enjoy what you're doing sometimes I think you do get lost or lost oh yeah yeah yeah. sure so I mean I I think I'm I I literally feel like I've only been doing this for like maybe 10 years not 15 or 16 or 17. You know I mean we were talking before the mic was on about kind of how long I've done this podcast Mm -hmm. and before the guests show up when I'm setting everything up and I'm looking at the setup I still in my mind I'm like I hope I know what I'm doing. I've I've done broadcast work for over 25 years but it's like there's always a second of just like oh man I've almost only like week two you know but that's not the case. You say very like I think you know what I would say? If you did not get nervous, I would be nervous. I still get jitters too. Like when I'm doing events, like, but the difference is, you know what those jitters are. So like, I'll get, if I get butterflies, right? I know it's going to be a great event. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still like putting forth the mental energy to make sure you're getting everything right. Absolutely. You're not an autopilot. No. When you started doing, you know, especially your own publicity firm, did you think, back then 15 years ago that you would still they'd be you'd be doing this this long that you'd be working for yourself this long like no absolutely what, what was not. the mindset like when you decided it's like you know what I'm gonna put my own name on this and do this for myself well the difference is between me and any other publicist is PR companies usually put their initials on I didn't do that right mm-hmm I want it to be kind of ambiguous because what if it didn't work? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. You're like, I don't know whose company that is. Like, never seen I them. Could, I could kind of detach myself if I needed to. You know what I mean? Right. So for me, it was like, well, let's play with it and see. And I just didn't, I had no clue that I would be in this space right now. Like, I can tell you right now that it was definitely not a 
Like what happened was I kept applying for jobs. I didn't get a job. Kept applying for jobs. Didn't get a job. And this was before, way before the pandemic. Yeah. I started swing and I was like, you know what? I'm going to see where this goes. And that was kind of it. Like, I, so I'm a big believer. I would mention this a lot when I teach, uh, you know, when I would, when I would teach at Columbia and, and mm-hmm. just in general, anytime I'm talking to someone about like, if you have a certain age, this is like your second or third recession. We've all been <laughs> through the pandemic. There have been times of the last 20 years where it has been hard to, there's less hiring, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a brilliant idea and it's really not easy, but it's such a brilliant idea of like, if people are not recognizing your value and what you could bring to their organization, it's kind of been like, I'll do my own thing. I'll make my own company. I'll start my own brand, my own project. Well, the thing is, is people like us, we know what to do. Some people don't know what to do. Right. And I think we're here as those thought leaders, to be honest, because we have done these things effortlessly according to them, even if we've had our own little, you know, growing pains. Sure. We make it look very easy. Yeah. And everything looks fun and easy on Instagram and, and, you know, mm-hmm. social media, but it's like, it's a lot of long hours. I don't have to tell you, it's a lot of long hours. It's a lot of like, you know, email back and forth, following up on people mm-hmm. texting. Hey, is this still on? Hey, are you doing this? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All it's, the busy it's work. It's a lot. And I think people don't understand, like, you have to have a certain level of discipline as well to do it on your own. Because again, when you're thinking about pandemic, some people, they're so dependent on work, nine to fives, that they don't understand, like, okay, the the scary thing I think that happened with the pandemic was people realized that life is uncertain. Oh, yeah. yeah the uncertainty yeah. of having to have a job, show up, and not knowing you may not get paid next week, and you may be a person living check to check. Mm-hmm. So people like us, who have always lived in this uncertainty space, we nothing changed for me. Yeah. And I I think that's so interesting because yeah, especially working for yourself, you have to be adaptable, mm-hmm. you know, because there were obstacles before the pandemic. You Absolutely. know, now that certainly the pandemic was a much larger obstacle for everybody in a lot of ways. Um and very unprecedented to use a you know very cliche term at this point. But even before then, it's like if you're working for yourself, there's going to be periods where you're not earning as much money as you'd like. Someone's late in paying you. Mm-hmm. You have a difficult project, a difficult client. You know, there's there's so many other things. And you have to, again, when you work for yourself, you have to be like, oh, sh- I'm the problem solver. So I got to figure <laughs> out a way to make this work. I'm the janitor. Right. I like I can't just CEO. like run this up the ladder and be like, dear manager, you take care of this. <laughs> yeah. Or, hey, I just need you to give me some extra money. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? Right. Can you float me for right now? Yeah. No, we 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 don't have that privilege. And I think that's what made us stars in the pandemic. And that's why I said, like, it wasn't a, it, nothing changed for me. Mm-hmm. So, well, and speaking of change, like, since you started doing PR, especially under your own banner, like, how has that process changed for you, you know, going back 15 years versus now? How different is it? Well, what's different about it is that I, I've adapted to a lot of the new the nuances that are arriving. So, like, everything changes. You have to know how to change with it. You got to adapt. I hire a lot of younger people, a lot of people younger than me so that I can know what's going on as far as just, like, trends it's really smart. There's a lot of people who yeah. they get in their late 20s, 30s, 40s, and beyond, and they think, well, 
there's nothing I could learn from anyone younger than me. And man, I, I knew that before, but teaching, I really, really learned just how not true that is. Like you work yeah. with younger people and they're going to have a different perspective, no different things than you. Well, the cool part is like, they bring things and you can bring something in there. And then it, right. and then with the combined, it's like, oh. right, 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 right. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh my God. And that's what I love about working with younger people. Like it's, it's almost an explosion of information that you, but you have that experience to apply it. And then it turns into something even better. And yeah. that's what actually keeps me excited about what I do. What about the city? So you've been active in Chicago for a long time. Mm -hmm. We we have seen different waves come and go, different <laughs> artist waves, different culture waves in the city. Like, you know, if you look at the last like 30 years of Chicago, like the breakthrough of Smashing Pumpkins versus the breakthrough of Kanye West versus Fall Out Boy versus Chance the Rapper. Those are Chief very Keep. different movements, you know, Chief Keep, like, <laughs> but they're all in Chicago and they're all in the in the yeah. vein of like elevating the culture here. So how have you seen the city? And the music culture change over the years and, and how have you, you know, again, adapted to that? Wow. That's a, that's I know a it's a big, big it's a big, a big question, but it is such a relevant question. Um, You know what I will say for me, at least from my, I have multiple circles of people that I network with that I've been friends with. And I think that the problem here, and it's not a problem. Let me, let me rephrase what I'm going to say. The challenge, mm -hmm, sure. the challenge is, everyone's not exposed to each other's circles. Mm -hmm. The benefit that I had for me, at least was I went to Columbia. Yeah. I also was from the West side, but nobody knew I was from the West side. <laughs> People thought I was from the North side sometimes or the South side. And so I was not a typical West side person that people seen at Columbia. But what happened was for me, every, I was invited into every circle which is invaluable. Exactly. So what happened was I was able to bounce to different areas to see different things. Like, and I wasn't closed minded either. And that was the other thing. I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm just going to stick to this one thing. I built relationships, not knowing where they would go. But if you were cool and you were creative, why not? Well, and that helps with the longevity too. And like, and, and I think that's something worth exploring because I think especially now there's so much focus and this is not directed like this is not me being like these young kids. This is across the board for I think everyone for all ages at this point. There's so much emphasis on like you have to have a viral hit now. You have to have a you know a million followers now. You have to have all these likes now. And there's not I feel like I feel like I never hear anyone talk about longevity, how to achieve longevity versus how to get everything now, now, now. Like how do you stay relevant and stay adaptive and connected you know mm -hmm. across over 15 years because there's a lot of people who come into creative spaces that's true they kind of have a moment and then they burn out or fade away or exit out real quickly I, I never stop loving what I do put it like this I'm gonna go out I'm gonna network I'm gonna always do that but for me for some reason I've always been able to vibe with like I don't know how to describe it but it's a vibe like when you meet people like, and you know what it is, I've met younger people. And sometimes when they come in these circles and they're new, they're uncomfortable. So for me, I've always been a person that I'll say something that makes them feel comfortable because I understand 
being the new kid in the room, understand being the awkward person in the room, not knowing. And you're not a gatekeeper. Ex- no, I don't want to be a gatekeeper. Right. I want to be somebody who opens the door. Right. Yeah. And I want somebody to feel comfortable walking through it. I don't want you to feel like, oh, if you walking through this door, you might sell your soul or whatever the fuck they. Well, and you're not language. threatened. You're you're not like, oh my god, if I open the door and, and let other people in, let younger people in, I'm gonna get pushed out. My spot will be gone. This is the thing. I want to let the right people. Sure. I don't want to yeah. let the people in that are gonna do other people wrong. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. where I'm at. But at the same time, a lot of the young people that come into this industry, they don't know anything. And the problem is, people don't want to teach them. That is the biggest issue. If I'm able to drop a couple of jewels to you and and just give you some good advice, I'm okay with like it doesn't cost me anything to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, why wouldn't I? Right. And so that's how I think. And that's actually probably the key for me is that anybody that has came to me, I'm welcoming, I'm open. And if they do have, you know, some type of, you know, at, you know, if they ask me something, I'll tell them because. I, I remember being in that space where I didn't know. Right, right, right. And, and we've been there. Yeah. And we didn't have people guiding us to say, hey, this is what you can do. Here's a cheat sheet. Do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. So if I can give you the cheat sheet and save you some some heartache and some some trauma. <laughs> right. Some time and money. Yeah. 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 Like exactly. Cost me anything. I mean, that is really true because it's like, you're not doing it to get something out from anybody. You're doing it just out of like altruism. But mm-hmm. there is something to be said of like, if you are helping people come up, they're going to remember that when like they get on. And I, I think that that's tied to your longevity as well, where it's like, again, you're not like, you're not pulling up the ladder behind you, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't have to. Right. I, I'm not an artist. I don't want to be an artist. Oh my God. I don't have to be the, per- like, I don't want to do anything that anyone else is doing except for what I'm doing for me. I think that's great. Yeah. And you found your lane. You're like, you found your perfect niche. Yeah. Now, social media, I I think is an interesting (laughs) place. Like in my, this is my own perspective. Maybe you'll feel differently. I feel like the big three established socials like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're kind of like an, an aging car. The car still drives. It'll still get you to from point A to point B to point C, but there's like, there's some shit not working that used to work (laughs) five years ago. You know, the windshield wipers don't work anymore. The like the lights work half the time. You know, there's there's some noise. Social media, I feel like, is bit by bit falling apart. And then you have TikTok, which is just like the engagement level is night and day versus the grandfathered in social. So all this is to say, like, what are your thoughts, you know, as a publicist, as somebody who's helping artists and creatives reach their audiences? How do you view social media now? I shouldn't say this on on a <laughs> podcast, but I'm going to say it. Sure. If I wasn't a publicist, I would not be on social media. Well, I think that there's not a lot of. <laughs> yeah, if I was independently wealthy and wasn't working for yeah. myself most of the time, and Absolutely. and and therefore needing to promote myself and connect to people, yeah, I probably would have, you know, a forty person Facebook network, <laughs> you know, private Instagram, yeah, that you know, again, forty people follow, and a Twitter handle that is not my name. <laughs> with not my photo because yeah it's social media stopped being fun a long long time ago so this is what i will say instagram is so trash right now like (laughs) trash instagram has been trash for a minute instagram is literally visual if you try to do anything other than visual yeah doesn't make sense 
Twitter. Still love. I love Twitter. I love Twitter. I Man, you talk about the, the, the brakes are falling off the car there. Twitter is so good because you still find news out. Like what makes that's Twitter that's the thing that keeps it. Yeah. Not fail when it comes to news. That is the saving grace. You find out about everything. Anytime my parents send me a like, you know, a text of like, did you see this? Like, you know, AB, you know, this news outlet says this. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I saw that this morning at 7 a.m. <laughs> I saw that last night, 1140 when it broke. Yeah. But that's why I love Twitter because you tweet the link out and yeah, it's news. It's right there. And the, the thing is, is I, I so again, we're getting back to talking about the connection between the younger generation and us, right? I have my interns, my staff, all the kids that are younger than me that I hire, I make them get Twitter. And they're like, why do I need Twitter? And I'm like, listen, I said, that's where the news goes first. It's more instantaneously plugged in. And I in. said, yeah. this is why Twitter is relevant, because it still has a media angle to it. Mm-hmm. News, it has that angle. When someone, I, I had to use the example, when someone dies, the first place you're going to see it is Twitter. Yeah, yeah. When something breaks something changes absolutely exactly. so you're putting them on twitter are you doing tiktok i like tiktok mm-hmm. um so tiktok i would call tiktok my discovery time yeah um tiktok what i like about tiktok what i do like about tiktok is i don't see a lot of negative negativity on tiktok i see a lot of like how to things like i figured out like how to like cure something like i was I think it was like some something I learned about onion water. Right? Like it's what yeah. I like about TikTok is there are the, it's a it's engaging for a reason and it has its benefits. Sure. I like it because I've learned something off TikTok at least three or four times at this moment. That's how I feel about YouTube. I I don't watch like quote unquote like YouTube personalities, mm-hmm. but I do know if something breaks in my house, YouTube <gasps> oh right away. Oh my god! Someone has Yo. figured out how to do it. Or if I'm like, I, I study cybersecurity outside of this podcast stuff, that's the thing I'm devoting kind of a long-term arc to. Uh-huh. And um, almost every day I can just like open up my YouTube, you know, just type youtube.com, pulls up those recommendations. And it's going to be some video of like how to do X, Y, Z. Okay. Yeah. So now we got to talk <laughs> because like my furnace light went out and I went on Insta, I went on YouTube yeah. and figured out how to reset it and it worked. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh. There's something on someone, anything uh, you need to know, someone has already provided an answer for on YouTube. Yes. So I love that. You can literally type it in like YouTube. No, YouTube, TikTok have been my friends. Facebook is like family and high school crap. Yeah. Facebook yeah. is. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> Everyone <Facebook>. knows. <laughs> but other than that, like, I mean, I'm disappointed in Instagram. Other than that, like everyone's doing their job, but you're right. It's basic. It's ever though. It's, yeah. it's just, it's basic. It's fine. I still love Twitter for what it is. I think people need to find the, understand the purpose of each social media channel. And I think if once people understand what purpose is for what, they'll know how to util, utilize it the right way. But sometimes like, I think also we, I miss that grassroots connection. Mm-hmm. Social media is so, it's like untouchable. Yeah. Because now social media has been literally become untouchable. It did. I do feel like, I mean, we we both remember the moments where like social media did feel much more DIY. I feel like I stopped discovering new music on Twitter yes. a long time ago. And not because I'm like not looking, but just because you can't, it never, it's not, pops, up. It never pops up. Twitter is, it's only showing certain things. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. This versus a decade ago, I would go on Twitter and I feel like every week I'd find out about a new artist. Do or- you remember when like you can see like people that you know arguing on Twitter with celebrities? Oh yeah. Come on. I'm We're not gonna clapping back at people. Yeah. I remember yeah. clapping back at different celebrities or seeing celebrities clap back at different people. Like you don't like that's what made Twitter Twitter. You would yeah. be like, oh my God, so and so just said they hate this person. Like and then they would go back and forth. Yeah. Where's that at? I know. I know. I mean, I think that maybe that's on TikTok, but like in my I mind, seen it on TikTok I look back at like when like Twisted Fantasy leaked, for example, mm-hmm. and that was a huge moment on Twitter. And we also didn't know Kanye was a Nazi or, or he wasn't a Nazi back then. So everything was much right. better. We yeah. were like, this brilliant record, this man can yes. do no wrong ever. Everything will be fine. Ten years from now, we won't be like, what happened? To Kanye? Yeah. He's fat and married to someone we don't know. Yeah. Okay. And a Nazi. Somebody asked me recently, just a quick detour before we get to the uh-huh. last couple of questions here. Someone asked me recently and they're like, hey, you know, you've been doing this a long time. Who's your dream guest? And I was like, man, well, up until about a year ago, I would have told you Kanye West. Kanye was always, and this is true. I'm doing the Chicago music culture podcast, whatever. If I ever get to sit here with Kanye West, I'll sell the microphones. I'll go work at a gas station like that. will be that <laughs> until now. Now you could not pay me to sit down and talk to no. Kanye West because I don't need a bunch of articles that are like noted Nazi Kanye West and podcaster Haima Black. And I, I don't need that. But it's very sad because that was always a lot of views. <laughs> It'll get a lot of views, but it's not worth it. And no, no, it's very sad because I mean, it's very sad that he's like that because he he's was at Chicago. He's a clone. Yeah. I was going to say that. Who knows? Like um, so for your artists, um, you know, for the for the talent that you're managing, how have they been adapting to this weird moment that we've been in the last couple of years? Because I see lots of articles that for musicians, especially, you know, musicians who are on tour. It's stop and go. Mm-hmm. If they get COVID, they have to cancel the tour. You know, they're not making the same money back that they did previously on tour. Mm-hmm. Events, you know, are not guaranteed. There's, even though to a degree, you know, that anyone can measure however they want, we are removed from some of the pandemic components. I feel like that's the safest yeah. way to say it. I don't think we're out of the pandemic, but the moment of us being like, we have to shut things down, that's done. But I, I feel like there's a lot of obstacles for artists and creatives and musicians, especially. So how are how is your roster adapting to, you know, how uncertain things have been overall? Well, I'll say this. So I had a client when we first when the pandemic hit first, I had a client, you know, say, hey, we're going to shut down. Cool. Mm-hmm. Then I had another client and he's like, well, he was a rapper about finances. He's now doing, he's a financial, I call him a fine, he's a financial literacy analyst or expert. That's amazing. And I gave him his branding and he used to rap about the shit. And wow. I said, why don't you flip this? I said, people need to have advice right now. Oh my he God. Yeah. Doing a column with revolt. And now we got him on like the NBA hit him up about financial literacy during the pandemic. Um, That's one of those America. topics that is so yeah. incredibly important. It was important. the perfect timing. So for me, again like a lot of my I actually I I think one client dropped off Mm -hmm. and then like it just turned into like Mm -hmm. a whole different way you were looking for the opportunity you were looking for how Mm -hmm. to help people Mm -hmm. see this as like look this is not what any of us want but we can't you can either sit at home and be like well this sucks I give up or 
you can say, all right, what do I do now? Exactly. What's my pivot? What's my and solution? I mean, there was, so there was that, the financial literacy part, the solutions, what do we do? And then on the music side, I was like, well, people are home. Yeah. They're not doing anything. But also on the publicity side, I had to set up virtual interviews. Yeah. I had to figure out, let's do IG live. So I had to change up my strategy. Yeah. I mean, this was this moment, the moment, like the last couple of years, and especially 2020, that was the year everyone figured out live streaming. There was not mm -hmm. just something that like podcasters knew how to do or influencers, yeah. like everyone figured out live streaming. Um, Scott Lucas with Local H, he really, really like got into that. Um, and now, you know, now Local H has a podcast, but it's like, I, I remember in 2020, um, he did a live broadcast from the roof of mm. the empty bottle and they live streamed it. And really? he was doing like the the drive-in shows too. It's just like it's an oh, interesting so thing. Interesting yeah. Thing, like all of it, like I did a I did PR for a drive-in movie. Yeah. Like it was Can you imagine saying that five years ago though? No. You know what I mean? No. Like people were like, what? The thing I love about the pandemic, and like people try to say, oh, it was bad. There are so many things we can say that happen, right? But I think it was a time for people to get creative mm -hmm. about like it it made you dig into your like creative bag because yeah. people don't realize like think about making like a lot of people turned it into a positive and and that's the thing I feel like people don't talk about the most is like the pandemic really did breathe breed a lot of positive things out of it people don't realize like some people became entrepreneurs out of it mm -hmm. there were great little solutions that that were created or you said, okay, now I have these five different categories of how I want to do my business versus these two. So like there was a lot of creativity within the entrepreneurial side, within the business side, within the corporate side. And I also think it gave people time to really understand, like, I need to take a break. Yeah. I, like, I, mentally. I, I think people, you're right, like we're able to reconsider a lot of things and pivot and try some new things and Absolutely. Talking about your roster, you've got some really interesting uh, clients right now, mm -hmm. one of whom, Lil Rel Howery, a comedian yeah. from Chicago. Um, people might know him from like Get Out. He was yes. great in Get Out. He was the TSA agent. <laughs> um, he's got a comedy, is it Comedy Central or Netflix? It's it's actually HBO. HBO. Max. HBO Max. He's got an HBO Max special. Um, how did that come together? What's it like working with him? So so me and Lil Rel went to uh, high school and grammar school together. Chicago is very small. Yes. We went to Providence St. Mill. And then when he started his comedy journey, um, he hired me to do his first comedy special in Chicago that he did with um, Kevin Hart. It was the first oh, one. Wow. Um, we did it with, I think, Jam Productions. We did the PR for that. I did the campaign for that. It was great. And then like, we just have always been in tune with each other. And um. He hit me out of nowhere. Actually, it was like, hey, are you looking for a client, another client? And I was like, well, it depends on who it is. And mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we, we just kind of hooked up. And now, well, after that, he was like, he, he told me he appreciates how much I put into the clients when I'm working with them. And so for me, it means a lot that people remember me and come back. Yeah. Like, that's what this, this is about. So working with him has been interesting now versus before, before it was, you know, just one or two things now like he's doing movies and I'm I'm proud of him as as a classmate uh as a friend but uh, of course we're from the same side of town 
Um, so it's it's been fun. Like it's been cool. Like the cool part is I'm I learned and I apply, but it, there's a lot of stuff that I I'm just rusty at, and I'm and I hate to say it, but like sometimes when you are when you've worked with celebrities sporadically, it changes versus having somebody on on site all the time. He just got nominated for uh, two NAACP Image Awards Huge. as well. It's amazing. Yes. So we're, we'll be at the Image Awards. Um, so I'm excited about that. Like he's doing the talk on the 26th. Yeah. So like we've been, I, I mean, I was at Jimmy Fallon. Like it's been a, like I was at the People's Choice Awards, like Heidi Klum, <laughs> Heidi Klum introduced herself to me. <laughs> and I it's was insane. Like, and I was like, I know who you are, but since you put the effort to introduce yourself to me, let me just oblige you and say hi. My name. Yeah, is it's been amazing. It's been a learning experience, but it's also just been liberating. Like, I'm just excited and I'm happy. It's it, it's a refresher for me now. Like when you're working with someone like him, or I guess like big picture, because so much of your publicity work is when it's in the artist space mm-hmm. and events. But like, do you see yourself venturing more where you're like, you know, I I would like to work with more like comedy talent more acting talent maybe more absolutely you know film like you know just so you don't know this but I'm gonna tell you so when I I just did an when I did an interview about my festival I told them like I'm doing I'm starting to drift away from music and and that's the goal I need to change it up like I'm not saying I'm gonna leave music but but music's also like I mean this uh, I'm gonna speak for myself music (laughs) is a young person's game yeah you know, you can still be in as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. Like the door doesn't shut, but there's a difference. And again, speaking just for myself, I just turned 40. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between me at 40 and me at 22. Absolutely. Where I'll go wait six hours to get in the doors that I'm first at the barrier, you know, like each other. Yeah. Spots. <laughs> but now, now it's like, no, that would have to be a real special show. It would have to be Prince and he's not alive. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would have to yeah. be like, yeah, Nirvana. And they're like, we time traveled and we got Kurt. Absolutely. Oh, then I'm showing up at 8 a.m. But most other <laughs> events, you know, being at my age, I'm like, okay, headliners hitting at 745. I'm going to grab some parking at 725, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But then like, I feel like as you get older and again, just speaking for myself, I feel like I appreciate film more. Um, and there's there's something so cool about like the, you know, the acting arts and, and the cinema side of things I too. Think, to be honest, the money's better. I'm sure. going to tell you. Yeah, that too. The situations and how things are handled, more organized. Music is just different. It's not man. a green room at 4 a.m. waiting to get yeah, paid. No, yeah, absolutely not. And I love that. And like, I've been, I've had a plan almost five years ago about transitioning out of music i'm not again that's why i started my festival purple block party yeah so my gift to music my last gift mm-hmm. is the purple block party yeah talk about that because was last year the first year last year was the first year so is that going to be annual though it will be okay um i went through so much but i'm sure it, it was doing a festival paying out of your pocket is a whole nother story yeah but I'm sure that was super easy i'm sure i mean <laughs> yeah it was a walk in the park sure wait what's ha ha davis this is about to be a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was not. It was a breeze. It was definitely a breeze. Sure. But the festival itself is my last contribution to music. Mm-hmm. And that is where I want to leave it. And I want it to be in this compactful, impactful place. And that's going to be my contribution every year. So no one can say I'm still not in music. Yeah. You're still and I love in it. That. But like you have this focused singular thing that yes. makes a big impact. 
Yeah, I think that's in and excellent. Out. Yeah. And I'm doing it. The The goal is to take this particular brand on the road, Purple Block Party. Because That'd be amazing. I want to do it in neighborhoods that do not get to have access to festivals. Yeah. And that's the main thing. So if it's Inglewood or wherever in Atlanta or we're going to Baltimore, like these places, like our our generation and our kids are the black and brown, our black and brown communities need to see that we have jobs in other spaces other than the help. Like we sure. can be in these spaces and we can work in these spaces, whether it's concerts, you know, being the, you know, the project manager or whatever it is. So for me, it's bringing the exposure in these neighborhoods as well. So that's what Purple Block Party is about. So it was in Garfield Park because that's where I went to high school at. That's mm -hmm. where I went to camp at. And again, nobody's ever done a festival on the real West Side. Everybody picks Douglas Park. Right, right, right. And I did Garfield Park because no one had ever done it. And so that was the goal is to bring it to the neighborhoods that don't get this exposure and that's that amazing what it was okay. yeah i love the idea of you bringing that to other cities as well i feel like detroit would be a great like yeah i love detroit mm -hmm. I, I feel like the culture there has just been there's always been culture there but i feel like the last decade there's something happening in that city there's, as well they're like a huge art district yeah the, like there's a whole the art scene the food and beverage scene the hospitality wow. hotel scene the like there's there's a lot happening in detroit honestly and it's it's one of those cities that i'm like if I didn't live in Chicago, Detroit would be an option because everyone goes to LA, New York. I like maybe, LA, New York. Maybe you Great should cities. do a Dynasty podcast. I know. Tour. I would love to do that, but um, but I feel like Detroit could be a very cool fit for what you're describing as well. Um, oh, I'm 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 all about that. And yeah. the thing is, is finding the right partners. So for me, I partner with nonprofits too. So this is not just you know a a situation where like I'm planning for the long long haul for this, and that's. You know, we, we're talking about longevity. This is my longevity retirement to music. Like, this is where I want to stay when well, it comes to music. And you mentioned nonprofits. So a couple more questions here, because mm -hmm. you've been very generous with your time. But you're also working with Social Works, of course. That's Chance the Rapper's organization. Yes. What are you doing with them? How's that going? So I am the publicist for Social Works. And I've been working pretty much on their entire win winter initiative. So... The Winter Initiative encompasses pretty much the uh, a night at the museum, mm -hmm. and where we start collecting. We collect um, um, clothes, we collect toys, we collect anything that makes you feel warm, whether it's hats, coats, gloves, scarves, and we give them. We do a huge giveaway at the Winterfest in February, and so um, this is all a buildup. So there's a, a two to three month, you know initiative that we work on and so I'm the publicist for it and so of course we PR for a night at the museum what we have coming up is the Winterfest and that's next so the Winterfest is where we gather all these things and we have all the goods after we've collected the donation like so we, we've set up donation boxes all around the city we do it for I think about a month and then what happens is everybody we, we sort everything out and then the Winterfest is us partnering um, with, uh, I can't think of who our partner is off the top of my head, but we give out the, the food, we give out the toys, we give out everything that we've collected to the homeless at Winterfest. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so like, it's yeah. amazing. And, and that's why I'm, I was so excited when they asked me to be a part of it. Like, I, I love it. Uh, a night at the museum was amazing. Well, and I feel like chance and social works have been about giving back for a long time they have this is not a flash in the pan nope. publicity thing like mm -hmm. i feel like ever since chance really got any level of platform in chicago 
he has been looking for ways to give give back in, in some way and and yeah. have these kind of initiatives and have social works really lead the way with this kind of stuff. I want to shout out Justin though, cutting him and Essence because Justin and Essence Lauren have been the ones that have been kind of leading that charge. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all best friends with Chance. So they've been very active in really getting this this whole initiative going. And and it was a lot of their time and energy. So like they're younger than me again. So like I, I try to learn from them. And I'm I like I love the fact that they just took took it and just ran with it. So they do a lot. And so I'm I'm excited for them just for even having me come on board. And and again, of course, I'm the triple OG OG, but it's it's still <laughs> like a lot of again the young energy and being able to be on in that space and learn from them and just see how they kind of move. So it's been it's been fun, it's been rewarding. Yeah, and I'm excited about like what's coming up um in the next couple months. I mean, I feel like that's a good place to leave it. You have a lot going on. Uh-huh. You got a lot on your plate. What's next for you? What's ahead? What have we not covered? Like, what are you looking forward to in 2023, which apparently we're in now? We are. This is our <laughs> Jordan year. I just want you to know. Yeah. And just so you guys know, Jaime has on black and red for the Bulls. I mean, that is true. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know if you was trying to. Do I didn't even that. think about that. But, know, yeah. but, you know, representing still- Smashing Pumpkins, representing the Bulls. Yeah. But I mean, what's coming up is so, so I did, so I started working at an, I'm, I'm working with a black owned agencies too, called 1035, 1035. Are you just working 90, 19 hours a day. So yeah. Yeah. I love it though. <laughs> the thing is, is I really love what I do. So sure. That's what makes it so exciting. So I just started working with them. It's a black owned agency that pretty much works and partners with these big brands to really help them navigate through the black experience. And I'm perfect for that. Yeah. Because I know how who to talk to, who to and what to say. Okay, this is not gonna work. This might be a little corny. No, let's fi- figure this out. So for me, it's been really fun because I haven't been on this angle. So now I'm talking to brands. Yeah. And yeah. I love it. So that's new. What else is new? I just partnered. I'm also working with a black-owned cannabis dispensary in Chicago. Yeah, called Grasshopper Club. Man, the the cannabis space yes. is huge. We got a very cool guest in the cannabis space coming on Dynasty Podcast. In the okay, coming weeks, I can't announce who yet, but it's like, man, that is that's a whole other enormous. It's so much happening. Yeah, and and then of course Image Awards, I kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I will be there with Lil Rel. Um, it's just been exciting. Like I'm I'm so like I will say this like versus our last talk. Like I've I've been waiting on my graduation and I feel like this is my graduation year. Clearly, you've got a lot happening. You are going for it. You are like firing on all cylinders. <laughs> I love it. This is amazing. And I love that you're still trying so many new things mm-hmm. this far into your journey because a lot of people hit autopilot when they say, Oh, I've done this five years, I've done this seven years, 10 years, whatever. And they just kind of, you know, they do what they know. But you are you gotta trying keep it a lot. Hot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how you stay. <laughs> That's how you stay in the game. It's how you have longevity. And it's how you also don't get bored. I, you know? I do not get bored with what I do. No, I love it. <laughs> uh, Brianna Gatlin from Swank PR. Thank you so much for coming back. This was a joy. I, I love it. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking to you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at dynastypodcasts.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.